Uh, let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning. We'll be in Luke chapter number 2. Again, as I was preparing for this week's message, I was praying and, and wondering and praying, Lord, what is it that you want me to, to preach on? And, and of course, it's Christmas Sunday. Uh, so the only place you could go is to Luke chapter number 2. So that's where the Lord directed me this morning. Luke chapter number 2 this morning. Again, there's a lot of things we can look at as we, we reflect and think about the Christmas story. There's a lot of things we could pull from this portion of Scripture. Uh, we can look at the aspects uh, of, of, again, the decree, the destination, the delivery focused on, uh, again, the birth of Christ. And, you know, as I was looking at that, well, maybe that'll be next week or next Sunday, next Christmas. I'm nervous just as everybody else was. Everybody's saying how nervous they are. I'm nervous now. <sighs> so maybe that'll be next year. I don't know. But, you know, you can look at the, uh, the shepherds, uh, again, abiding in the field, the acknowledgement of his birth and, and the uh, uh, announcement to everyone. So, again, there's a lot of things we could draw and pull from this portion of Scripture. Last year, if you recall, we looked at Simeon. Uh, again, uh, a very unique character in the Bible that we often don't even take time to reflect and look on during the Christmas time. But this year, again, with it being Christmas on Sunday, I felt this is where the Lord would lead us this morning. So let's look here in Luke chapter number 2. I would like to start reading at the very first verse of Luke chapter number 2. Again, just reflecting on the birth of Christ and what today is all about. So let's look here. Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up unto Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, being he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came up upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, and ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Today I want us to focus on verses 10 through 14 as we look at what I've titled the angelic announcement. What is it that the angels were trying to proclaim here and what is it that we can draw from it and learn today to apply to our lives? Well, let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we do thank you for the opportunity we have Lord, to be able to come and, and just to worship you, Lord, especially on this special day, again, as we set aside each year to celebrate your birth, Lord, we're so thankful that, again, you were sent here to this earth to die for our sins, 
the, allow us the opportunity to be brought back, to be reconciled with God the Father. And Lord, as we take time today to look at this account, I pray that you would help us to, again, allow it to reflect something in our own lives, something that we can uh, fix, something we can change, something we can, again, offer praises to you through. And Lord, we'll just give you all the praise and all the honor and glory. We pray that you'll just speak to hearts as only you can today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, there's many different announcements that may have been made or could be made during the holiday season. You may have uh, driven around town or in different places and seen different things that different businesses have advertised. Uh, again, it's one of those things this time of year they try to come up to, uh, with some of the most creative things they can to get you to draw you in to help you buy whatever it is they are selling. I saw a toy store that was advertising, Ho, Ho, Ho is spoken here. Again, just drawing to get kids in there to, to buy what it is the toy store had to offer. Uh, there was a bridal boutique sign that said, Merry, M-A-R-R-Y, Merry Christmas. Again, playing off this time of year. Uh, hair salon was advertising 24 shaping days till Christmas instead of shopping days. Uh, there was an announcement, uh, again, made by a stationery store that said, for the one that has everything, a calendar to show you when the payments are due. So... There's a lot of things that we can look at this time of year, and sometimes it's very comical. But again, it's very pointed in what they want you to do. The announcement that was given by this angel was, again, that was something that was uh, very pointed as well. It was the greatest message ever given to any of mankind. It was something that we all need to hear, something we need to receive. And with that announcement came uh, an announcement of exceeding joy. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning is the exceeding joy found there in verse number 10. Let's stop and think for a moment. Have you ever read something and tried to play it over into your mind? Uh, I know a lot of times when, when I read scripture or even when... I won't say when I read books because I don't read them that often. Uh, when you read a book and you read a story and, and you try to play it maybe in your mind, that's what I, I do sometimes, especially reading Scripture. And again, during this time of year, you stop and reflect on what these shepherds were doing. You've got to understand the time frame they were in. They didn't have the things to, to draw our attention, to, to get us to fantasize and, and understand different things going on. They didn't have Hollywood to, to show them what things could be or would be. They had their own imagination. So again, they're in a field all by themselves. You ever gone out to the field in the pitch black? Some of you live out in the country. You understand what that's like. Uh, no lights, nothing on, and it's dark. This is where they were at. There was nothing there to guide them except the stars and the moon. And uh, again, they were probably close together being in the evening time frame. They wanted to make sure the shepherds, they knew who was in each position where their sheep were to protect them and take care of them. So uh, again... In that time frame, in that night, when this angel appeared, it was out of nowhere. Now, again, we could probably think, well, uh, I've seen things better than that on TV or video games or whatever. And, and we've kind of lost that idea of understanding what is going on here. But they were in pitch black, dark, nothing. It's not like they had the, the lights from, from the street corner or anything else. They had nothing out there. It was dark. So as they were, again, tending to their sheep... Can you imagine all of a sudden, boom, a light just explodes out of nowhere. Can you imagine going by, uh, what is that, uh, the football stadium, Arrowhead Stadium. Can you imagine going by and seeing what that looks like at night? You understand how lit up that would be. This is kind of the idea of this angel. If you could go out there and just throw the switch, poosh, and all the lights come on. That was what was happening to these angels. They were, again, pitch black, dark night. 
Maybe they were singing, maybe they uh, doing something, again, to keep their mind focused on what they were doing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this light just appeared. This individual, uh, again, this angel hovering over them, proclaiming a message. The first thing he said was, don't be afraid. Now, that would be the first thing I would want to hear. Hey, don't be afraid. I'm afraid already. You just appeared out of nowhere, and now you're right in front of me. Uh, I would be afraid, wouldn't you? But again, he's trying to calm them. Don't be afraid. He was giving them some peace. Don't be afraid. You know, there's a lot of things in our life that can scare us. There's a lot of things in our lives as we, we go through the trials and the hustle and bustle of life that is, is going to cause us to be afraid. But God, again, is sending this message of importance, and he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We find throughout Scripture where God is, is continually trying to get us to do different things, and he tells us, don't be afraid. Because we understand that what God does is always perfect. What God does is always right and exact. Again, we go back and look throughout Scripture. Anything God does, He doesn't do it halfway. You ever notice that? Again, when He allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt and cross the Red Sea, it was not like there was puddles on the ground. It wasn't like they were walking through mud or, or sinking in, in quicksand or anything like that. It was dry ground, was it not? He's not going to do it part way. Think of when, uh, again, Elijah was calling down fire from heaven. God didn't just send a match. There you go. No, he sent a fireball, didn't he? You go back and study that scripture. Again, the fire came down from heaven, and it consumed the stones. It consumed the dust, and it licked the water out of the trench. I love that. That's how my God works. That's what God does for us. And again, it's something that we've got to make sure that we understand, not to be afraid of what God is going to do in our lives. You know, as we look forward and we think a uh, new year is coming, can you 2023, it's next week. What's going to happen next year? We stop and we, we may reflect and think, wow, oh, well, this could happen and that could happen. There's a lot of things that could happen, yes. But we got to understand and remember that God is in control. So he says, don't be afraid. Don't be worried about what's going to happen next year. Don't be worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, because my God is in control and he can control all things. So again, we've got to understand not to be afraid, not to worry about what God has for us. We can see it all throughout Scripture where he reminds us of that. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto his people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13. For I am the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. It's been amazing. We've had our grandkids here, and every time we'd go somewhere, here, take my hand. You do that with your kids? Hey, take my hand, let's go. Hey, hold my hand as we're crossing the street. Why? Because I don't want you to be afraid, and I want to protect you. What does that scripture say? God said, I'm going to take you by the right hand. God, take my hand. Lead me, because we got somewhere to go. Don't be afraid. I've got you. I've got this. And I'm going to be here to help you and protect you. It's great, you know, we find in Scripture little things like that. Little nuggets, you're like, wow, he's going to take my hand. He's going to, just like my kids, I'm going to take them across the street. I love that. That's how special we are to God. That's how important he is to us, or it should be. Because he's going to take us by the hand. And he's going to lead us where he wants us. Again, there's other scriptures we can look at. Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10. Again, a familiar passage of scripture because we sing it quite a bit. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help you. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of thy righteousness. 
So again, we can repeat Scripture over and over again, understanding that God is there to help us. We are not to be afraid. We're not to worry about what's going to happen because God is in control. Paul reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God wants us to do. That's the direction he wants to take us. So again, we've got to understand, Lord, just take my hand and let's go. I'm going to follow you. Don't be afraid. But also, this announcement came as an announcement of joy. Verse number 10 says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of, okay, joy. I bring you good tidings of, eh, joy. That's not what they said. I'm going to bring you good tidings of great joy. Again, the angel had announced probably the, the perfect, the most wonderful message ever spoken to mankind, that the Savior has come. This was a joyous message, not a, a message of judgment, not a message of judgment, not a message of punishment, not of something that is going to cause them to, to be afraid and to, to stand back and wonder what's going to happen next. It was a, a welcoming message. It was a message of joy and peace. This joy was a message of peace and pardon, a message that salvation had come for all of mankind. We think joy oftentimes is just a feeling or emotion but we feel that, uh, again, due to the circumstances and the situations we're in, that's what's going to uh, be exciting. That's what's going to be the joy. But this is far greater than that. This is not based on just an emotion. This is not based on just a, a circumstance. It was a joy that was brought about by God himself. It was not a temporary fix. It was not a, 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 a small thing. But it was a permanent solution to our greatest need. What is our greatest need? That's salvation, that's redemption, that's being redeemed back to God the Father. And that is exactly what the angel was proclaiming. This gospel message was one that was proclaimed by this angel. And God had sent his son, born of a virgin, coming to die for the sins of all of mankind. The most important message we'll ever hear in our life. It's a message that needs to be shared with all people. It's not just for, for those who live in lofty places or palaces, but those in low places as well. You know, I believe this was shared for the, with the shepherds for a very specific reason. If it was shared with maybe the rich people, they would have only given it to those that was the highest bidder. Maybe if they would have shared it with the, the religious people, then maybe they would have added their own little ritual saying, you've got to do this or do this or do that to get this message. But they shared it with who? The servants, the lowest form of mankind there, out serving in the field, keeping watch over the flock, the shepherds. This was again showing that that message is for all people. It's not just for certain ones, but it's for everyone. And if we can bring it down here to the lowest level, again, then it can be perpetuated through all of mankind. So that was the reason in my understanding, what I believe, why it was given to the shepherds. Again, we find this is uh, broadcasted all throughout the Old Testament as well. But instead of, a, 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 again, for us just to take it and keep it to ourselves, we are to share that with other people. This exceeding message of joy was exclaiming Jesus' birth. Number two this morning is the exclaimed birth. Look with me at verses 11 and 12 again. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find the, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angel joyfully shared this message with the shepherds. It was one of exact detail. You notice that? 
It wasn't a generic saying. It wasn't just something that could be included in something else. There was no hidden agenda. There was nothing there that you've got to try to figure out. It was exactly what the angel had said. Look, I've got a set time and a set place for this birth. That's exactly what they said. We believe, again, everything God does is perfect and right. And that's why we find in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 4, it says, He, again referring to God, is the rock. And that word rock is capitalized, again, referencing to who God is. He is the rock. He work, his work excuse me, is perfect. And all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. So everything God does is perfect and right. It's exactly how He wants it. As we follow God in His leading, I know His guide and His will and His plan for us is exactly what we need. It's a divine will. It's a perfect will. And I know oftentimes we think, well, I want this and it's got to be done this way and we want it in our time, but that's not the way God works. God does not hold to our timetable. His ways are not our ways. Again, the Bible tells us so we've got to learn to follow His plan. We've got to adjust ourselves according to His will and what He wants in our life. But that's exactly what happened here. God had a set time and a set place for this event to happen. You ever stop and think of how Mary felt during this time? Now again, I have no biblical proof of, of some of this, but just thinking from what little experience I've had dealing with pregnant women... A woman, one, what, two, kind of, Mary. When, when ladies get further along, they get a little uncomfortable, I guess, right? Is that, that's what I was told. <laughs> Not that I know. But that's what I was told. They get uncomfortable. Again, pregnancy, uh, again, you got something growing inside of you. It's taking up more space. Uh, could you imagine Mary felt that way? Maybe she felt a little uncomfortable because here she was pregnant but wasn't married. Was so-and-so judging me down from the grocery store? I know she is. You know, it's kind of how we are, right? And we don't know exactly what she was thinking or what she was saying. But that's just the way my mind works is, is how would it feel if I was in that position? Not on top of that, but uh, now she's got to go to Bethlehem. I've got to walk all the way to Bethlehem. You know, oftentimes we see where Mary is sitting on a donkey. We have no proof of that, by the way. Honestly, that's how a lot of people portray things. And we make up our own ideas when it comes to certain events. But uh, Joseph was not rich, so he didn't really, probably could not afford a donkey. So she probably walked to Bethlehem. Can you imagine being in your third trimester, women, and trying to walk that distance? No, no, thank you. So these are all things that's going through my mind as, as uncomfortable as she felt, as, as the problems were mounting up. And she was wondering, why, God, why are you doing it this way? God had a perfect plan in store for what was to come. It wasn't her agenda. It wasn't her plan. It wasn't her timetable, but it was God's. And again, it was something that we've got to make sure that we understand what God does in our lives is according to his plan. It's according to his way. The angel tells of this birth is happening. Again, it said right now, for unto you is born this day. This day. Today was his day of birth. It wasn't last week, it's not tomorrow, it's not next month, it's today. You know, there could have been other women that were traveling to Jerusalem, or excuse me, to Bethlehem that were pregnant. There could have been some that were living in that area that was pregnant. So again, there's a lot of factors that you can look at, and this is why they were very specific in what they said. Look, for unto you is born this day, 
in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The reason the angel was so specific was because these shepherds didn't want to have to run around to every hospital in town to find out where this baby was or go up to the front desk and say, excuse me, uh, where's this baby? I asked the nurse, which one is he? They didn't have to deal with anything like that. Again, it was born in a manger. It was born in a place probably outdoors. Oftentimes, we look at the little stable and, and things like that. Uh, again, it's one of those ideas that we kind of conjure up in our minds what it looked like. We don't know. It could have been a cave. It could have just been an open stall. It could have been a lot of different things. But I dare say they didn't have to worry about figuring out where he was because as a baby, you know, baby cry. You sing the song, Away in the Manger, no crying, the baby. Jesus was all human. He cried, by the way. In his humanity, he cried. I'm sure Mary giving birth would have cried. Maybe Joseph cried. I don't know. But I'm sure they probably knew what was going on. People around heard what was happening. It was not a secret. It was not something tucked away. So the shepherds knew exactly where to go. They knew the time. They knew the place where they were to go and see this Savior. So it was very important that they understood where they had to go. And that's why the angel said very specifically there is a set time and there is a set place. Because there is a Savior. A Savior was to be born. This was the promise since the beginning of time. God would send his perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. These shepherds were Jews and no doubt had been taught since birth uh, what it was they were to look for, what it was that they were to be excited about the coming Messiah. You know, there are still people today looking for that Messiah. There are still some that are trying to seek and find the Messiah, not knowing that he was already born, not accepting the fact of what the Bible says that the Savior has already been born. This Messiah would be the one that would bring peace to the Jewish people. But little do they realize that it's going to bring peace to all of mankind. Again, we could go back and we could study scriptures such as Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. Again, depicting of the, the birth of Christ of a virgin. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This again was speaking of her seed. The virgin birth. We could look at other scriptures and other, other places in the Old Testament of predicting of what was to come. Genesis chapter 12, chapter 49. You can look at Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Micah, Habakkuk, and on and on and find different verses prophesying the coming of this Messiah. Joseph and Mary knew who Jesus was. And when these shepherds showed up uh, asking if this was the Savior, it was not shocking to them. But I'm sure they very excitingly said, yes, this is the Savior. They knew who he was. They understood the implications of what was to happen and how important it was. But the shepherds were told that their Savior would be born and wrapped in swaddling clothes. And this would be a sign. They found him, uh, again, not having to search very hard to look for who he was and where he was at. But they found him wrapped in swaddling clothes. This, again, was just a wrapping that they would put on newborns to, to help them transition from being in the womb to being free. This baby would be the sign. Something that the Jews look for and are still looking for today. And you go back and you could study in Scripture and you'll find where the Jews were asking Jesus, uh, hey, we would like a sign. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 says, Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. 
wanting, hey, uh, show us a sign who you are. Uh, show us uh, uh, something that we can understand who you truly are. Today, there are people still wanting a sign. They're still wanting that acknowledgement of figuring out who God is and is the Bible right. Now, again, we have the Word of God. We have the perfect Scriptures right in front of us to know that what we have been given is right and perfect. And this brings us to the final part of this message, and that is they exalted God. They exalted God. Look at verses 13 and 14. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. After having this conversation with the shepherds and telling them uh, that they were to go and to look forward uh, and, look and find this, this baby, the angel was now surrounded by more angelic hosts. They proclaimed the glory of God. They'd included the, the heavens, all the angels in heaven and all the armies of God had all come to this one location, to this one place, to announce the birth and to bring praise and glory to God. This term, heavenly host, again is referring to God's celestial army. And I'm sure it's, it was hard enough dealing with just one angel, again, thinking back to what was happening here. But now the whole sky was filled with these people. And their message was a clear one. Glory to God. Everything in our life should be glorifying to God. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 tells us that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything in our life should be exalting to God, should be glorifying to God. When we go out to eat, it should be a place that would, uh, again, not shame the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when we go, we should be... People of prayer, we should pray. Uh, we should be in church. Again, our neighbors can see just by the example we are setting on Sunday morning. Hey, you know, they're, they're always leaving at the same time. Wonder where they're going. Oh, we're going to church. Again, we're leaving that example for others to see. Everything we do should be honoring and glorifying to God. And I hope that's what people can say about your life. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The things we do on this earth are, again, to exalt God, to lift Him up and to bring Him glory. And I hope that is what people say about you. You know, as Christians, we should be the best employee our employer has. We should be ones setting the standard. We should be the ones out there, uh, again, doing what is right, following what God would have us to do. If, if we're to... To again say we're Christians, we're doing this, then everything about our life should be pointed in that direction so where people can see that more and more. But these heavenly beings were exalting God and giving Him all the glory. And as we glorify God, that will bring peace on earth. I'm afraid many have the idea that peace is some kind of idea of ending war and strife in this land. But as you understand Scripture, that'll never happen until we leave this earth. We're always going to have war. We're always going to have strife. We're always going to have problems because we're living inside this sin-cursed flesh. That's what's defeating us. That's what's causing a lot of the problems. Peace is the inner sense of tranquility. Freedom from the agitation and disturbance of this life. And knowing that God controls all things. There was an author and a, a preacher, Thomas Watson, who said this. If God be our God, He will give us peace in trouble. When there's a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble and peace, but God can create peace 
in trouble. This message of peace is one of salvation. Because I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and asked Him to forgive me of my sins, I know I've got a home in heaven. I have that peace inside because I don't have to worry about trying to figure things out. I can give it to God and say, Lord, it's on you. you you've given me your instructions through your words that I'm to, to give it to you, that I'm to, to cast my burdens on you. And Lord, here's my burdens. I need you to take care of them. But I think too many times we try to do that, but when we, we'll take them right back up and say, well, he's not going to do it the way I would do it. He's not going to do it in the time frame I would do it. Let me pick that up and I'm going to take care of it. We would learn to just give it to him. We could have this peace that, uh, again, Scripture speaks of. Then finally, the angels mentioned that there would be goodwill toward men. We understand that God only wants us to, to give us his very best. This is why we understand that he sent his son to die for our sins. God's goodwill is that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 states, but God's gift is for all of mankind. It was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger for these shepherds to see. This Christmas morning, have you accepted the greatest gift ever given? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This was the angelic announcement. This is the message that changed the world. But just like any other gift, unless you receive it, it won't do anything for you. Have you accepted his free gift? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we have a time of invitation. Again, the invitation is just us dealing with what has been said. We've been given the message. Now it's our turn to respond to what is it that we are to do 